California now has the biggest legal marijuana market in the world, but its black market is even bigger. A Google Insider turned over 950 pages of documents to the Department of Justice. And are California schools really starving for revenue? That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. This is the California Streaming Podcast with your hosts, Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're three conservative California natives putting ridiculous state and local politics on blast. So hop on our magic bullet train to nowhere and let's talk some California politics. And we're back. Back from the break. Vacation over. Yes. And there's still it, some summer left. It's kind of nice. But God, I feel like kids go back to school now. No, they're back. Yeah, a lot of them are it's back. It's crazy. Yeah. This week. I remember not going back to like after Labor Day. Uh, oh, it used to be the right, thing. What, what happened there? You know? I feel like in some parts of the country, snow days, etc. Okay, I got that. We're in Southern California. There, there's, there's no snow days. Well, then are you an advocate for year-round school? I've talked to some people in the past who, who actually some teachers, and they liked it from a consistency. Their, their hardest part was they couldn't get used to it after so many years of a full summer break. It was hard for them to get used to a different pattern, but they would admit right. that in terms of consistency and education and the discipline of it, it was good. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. That'd be kind of difficult, I guess, after so many years of right. just having three months off. But I remember like getting out the beginning of June, mm-hmm. end of May, mm-hmm. going back after Labor Day. Now it's like Always. they get out in June, they're back in August. Right. Maybe they've messed with the brakes or something. Who knows? I think they're, they're trying to figure out the magic formula to get test scores up, right? It's like, it's, is it more money? Is no, it no. more classroom time? Whoa, 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 is whoa. it always more money? Never question We're going to talk about <laughs> Never that question in that. one segment today. It's always more money. It seemed like once we left, the world really just kind of fell apart yeah. when we were gone. That's true. Uh, uh, Hong Kong. You know, who Hong knows Kong. what's going on there? Epstein managed to kill himself. Uh, he managed it. Yeah. He, he definite suicide. It. No other explanation. I read last night they managed to find a Maxine, right? Or Oh, the lady uh, at In N Out? Yeah. His <laughs> his girlfriend and, and yeah. the madam, yeah. right? Oh, they yeah. presumed. Yeah. They found her at the Universal City In N Out. Yeah. Reading a CIA like Hitman <laughs> yeah. book or something. <laughs> I was like, what are you know, people were like, they had no clue where she was. Was she in Europe? Was she overseas? Was she at some compound in the Hamptons, like where was she hiding out? And then she was found at an in and out in Los Angeles. In and out. Yeah. I was thinking what imagine just being that like LAPD beat cop, right? And all of a sudden one of the most wanted fugitives in in the country is exactly what happened. You gotta go hook up. Exactly what happened. That's great. It seems like that thing is headed boy, you know it's easy to say, but it seems like that thing's headed on the path for some people having some problems. I mean, they went and they went onto the guy's island, right, and took all the computers, took all the files, right? Yeah, TBD. But yeah. there's going to be, I think, I think in terms of when it was Prince Edward and Clinton, people have heard about, and then there was a former senator, Dim, Prince Andrew, Prince Prince Andrew, right? Former dim senator too. Uh, the, I think governor from New Mexico. I, oh yeah, uh, Richardson. Right. I think those are like tier C names that are going to come out. I mean, I, I get the sense. Saudi princes. Right. Like there was. <laughs> yeah. This it, is going to get. I was listening to uh, Mark Garagos with Adam oh, yeah. Carolla, and he was breaking it down. And he had a good point. He was like kind of the part that where he starts looking at not a suicide mm-hmm. is the fact that, okay, he was facing 45 years, but he had a file full of information he could plead with oh he he was in one of the best positions possible to get a bargain from the prosecutor because of the fact that he had bigger fish essentially what you're you're making the argument he he probably he he was the opposite of hopeless correct He, he, he he shouldn't really truly have been feeling all hope was lost he he had a case so if that was true what's he doing hanging himself Right, right, exactly. He goes. Uh, he was talking about he had a client that they brought out uh, a convicted murderer to testify against one of his clients. <laughs> yeah, you know they'll they'll bargain with anybody. Yeah. if they can catch a bigger fish. Yeah, and if he, he just had a cabinet member, 
oh, or a yeah. former cabinet. Right. It wouldn't take a whole lot in the grand scheme of things to get him pled down a lot. Where like, okay, do a year here, go back to your island, never, never talk yeah, to anyone again. Uh, maybe not a year, but no, 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 no. Yeah, definitely, of course, of course, he'd have some lifetime left, probably, yeah. rather than right. forty-five is basically a life sentence for right. him. Right. So the fact that he had all this information, the court of appeals was getting ready to release it all, mm. and then he turns up dead is kind of a a funky mystery. Total coincidence, right? Oh, one of the. Uh, Things that happened was the forgotten shooting over in Gilroy, our backyard. Right, because so so quickly afterwards was the uh, El Paso. Right, but it, it strikes me weird, and really mm-hmm. it doesn't, mm-hmm. that it doesn't get lumped in with the other two shootings that are the big... Right? You're pointing at me going, uh-huh. Is this because the guy did something he wasn't supposed to do? He brought a gun over from Nevada? Well... I mean, there's a couple of different things uh, when we're talking about this particular incident, right? I mean, I mean, there's the issue, of course, that he's an Iranian-American. Mm. So I think they kind of swept that under the rug just a little bit. Didn't fit the profile. Didn't fit the profile. Right. Tricky. Um, he, yeah, he brought in guns and probably ammunition, too. That, that was the funny one, obviously, to me, was we go through all these hoops as a state. This is banned. This is banned. You can't do that. Right. The guy does it. Yeah, on top not, of everything. Well, you're, you're not supposed to do that. No, what, really? So, but, but I thought you passed a law that that would protect us for all time. I always go back to the fact that murder is illegal. Right. No, it doesn't great. stop anybody. The base, base level. That's right. Right. And so we say, well, if we try to limit the instruments, then the killing will stop. And that doesn't ever seem to be the case anywhere. Right. How'd that work out? I mean, London's crime is through the roof. And their amount of knife crime is through the roof. And we always hmm. joke, well, people just take knives. London's been a really good example of that. Hmm. I mean, they've got entire areas where police won't even go because right. it's under Sharia law. It's like a pocket within itself, just like Paris. I think we always mistake and we, we forget that society is changing in, in, the, in the whole hmm. talking points here. You know, what's the difference you know, we've always had guns, mm-hmm. you know, we've always had all the other items in our life. We've always had wars. We've always had violence. We've, well, what's the difference now? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with the society that we're now living in because of the choices we made decades ago. Mm-hmm. And we're having to deal with it now. Right. And, and in that, I was thinking that we've spent so many years now well, we have a generation now of people that were raised with without two parents yep. or yep. or in broken homes and a generation where the single white male has been made to be the the base of every problem the in the world. Right. The scapegoat, right. Some, something's not everything. working, it's the single white male. And so then we wonder why these adolescent young white male boys start shooting up places. Not to mention, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a, a parent in the 90s, but not to mention, granted, playing one game of Grand Theft Auto, not not going to scar you for life, but I think all of that kind of stuff is compounding. And you've got, you've got a generation of where that stuff was normalized, everyday life, whether it be from movies, song lyrics, video games. Again, I'm not going to look at one single thing and say, well, you watched that or played that once, that was it. No, but it's it's progressive it's a it's a shift it's compounds on itself i think the internet's opened up way that, more avenues now of that too instant publicity that too anybody can make themselves famous overnight you don't need you don't need a network you don't need a an agent you don't need a sponsor all you need is a, a webcam and a computer and you can put anything and, and, online. and that leads me into the things that we're talking about now right now the things that are on our media, what does that do to our society in 20 years' mm-hmm, time? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very scary thought. Think about when we talk about an influencer. It's a funny term that gets thrown around and often on Instagram, but it's true. These are literally the people influencing the decisions, being role models, good or bad, but literally influencing the actions of... Look at the fire Festival. 
Yeah. It was all created just out of social influencers on one day. Totally. Hyping this thing up. That was it. It didn't even exist. That was it. That's right. Right. And literally at the end of the day, it didn't exist. <laughs> well, you just have so many people that don't look into anything for themselves. They just listen to what other people tell them is cool. So yeah, they end up on an island and uh, <laughs> with, the way with, get with, off. with a bread, bread cheese sandwich. <laughs> now, another issue, just, just so we get some closure on this. Yeah. I know you're upset, John, Yeah, but you're straight. Pride Parade was, I saw that. was dismissed. The, the Boston Modesto, one is still on. The Boston one's still on. But the, I'm, Modesto, I'm but the Modesto one, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a no-go. Modesto. Yeah. No-go. <laughs> that got the gong. Um, I forget why, though. That may have got their uh, train rights taken away <laughs> if they went through with that. <laughs> Gavin might have pulled the train plug from the... They had a lot city. to lose. They had a lot to lose. Uh, well, the organizer is not... is. Not a respectable member of society. So, Got it. if you were going with somebody who was obviously doing a joke and could play that off as a joke, they may have gone ahead and done it. But this guy is just not. I'm wondering though, Mr. are Rogers. they going to televise this Boston one? Um, I mean, you got Milo <laughs> as the Grand Marshal. <laughs> See, exactly. Um, That's what I mean, we're all laughing about. here because this is like literally absurd. Meaning. It's going to be live on Fox or something, you know. It's, it's almost has to be. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Yeah. You see, exactly. It's right. funny. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Topics? I think so. This one comes from the LA Times. I couldn't see this coming. No, no. California now has the biggest legal marijuana market in the world, and its black market is even bigger. Ka-ching. Shocker. I'm blown away. It's weird when you price things out of the market <laughs> that the black market takes over. Yeah. So California is on track to post a record $3.1 billion in licensed cannabis sales this year, solidifying its status as the largest legal marijuana market in the world, according to a study released Thursday by Financial Analysis, who advised the industry. This yep. came out um, probably, yeah, this week. Yeah, week uh, the I 16th. think so, the 15th. Yeah, 15th. You know, I, always, I always crack a joke that I, uh, I, I regularly take drugs just so I can live in this state. Right. But apparently, so does everybody else. Yes. So, well, Jordan Peterson always says the question isn't why do people do drugs? It's why do, why don't more people do drugs? Yeah. Because of the feeling they give you. (laughs) So, legal sales are up significantly from an approximate 2.5 billion in 2018, the first year of licensed cannabis sales in California. Uh, California's black market for marijuana continues to flourish as high taxes and a refusal by most cities to allow licensed shops makes it cheaper and easier for people to buy from illicit dealers. An estimated $8.7 billion is expected to be spent in the illegal cannabis market in 2019, more than double the amount of legal sales. Crazy. I mean, it is, but it's not. Right. There was the, um, there was the, the, the Dem in California... We talked about this story a few weeks back, I think, who he actually had a moment of having a clue, right? And realized, you know, maybe we need to pass a temporary reduction in taxes on this because that might be a big reason why they're going to the black market. And I was like, it, it was this was the craziest thing because it was an admittance by a Dem that taxes influence people's decisions right they wanted more revenue but they were realizing if we lower taxes maybe we'll get more tax revenue with lower taxes we've our politicians have really you know put a pin expecting certain revenue yes for uh, for the taxes they you know raised and this was going to solve all of our problems in this state and boy do we have many of them well (laughs) part of the issue too is prop 64 has made it so expensive to manufacture cannabis that the cost has gone up because everything has to that, be organic. Well, well, exactly. And is that? I mean, admittedly, this this was interesting because I think we're gonna maybe get to this story here to dovetail into this one. But does that also have to do with the limitation on the size of land that you can grow on? I'm asking that because I think part of Prop 64, if I read it right, was that there's like a one acre max. Um, okay, but maybe you can then purchase. Oh my and, goodness, I don't think I'd go back to it. I'm not sure, but. The reason I'm asking it, I mean, that's when you're talking about farming in general in the U.S., right? It, it, it's it's uh, scale that right, brings right. the efficiencies, that brings the cost reduction. So if you're artificially, I mean, who knows where they pulled an acre from, just one acre. 
Well, it's going to be hard to achieve, right? Well, I think the other issue too is that we went from zero tax to full tax. Mm, mm, it's mm. not like we've paid a certain percentage for years and it's just going up a, a point or something like that. You went from zero to whatever it is now. Right. right. We um, Yeah. So maybe we needed more of a gradual ramping up or some kind of tier. The other thing is, is just what are you offering that the illegal market doesn't besides just being legal and the other being illegal? Right. You hear him talk about, well, you can track uh, track where it came from with the QR code and the... How many people care? Right. right. Exactly. It, it's all things nobody, care. Okay. <laughs> it's all things nobody cares about. If right. you care where your cigar is made, if it's Cuban, Dominican... But there's no QR no, code to scan that. I can't... <laughs> But I've talked to people before where, like, let's use cigars, for example, and Cuban cigars. And and you'll talk to somebody and they'll say, oh, yeah, I think my car- cigar's from Cuba. Even if it's not, I don't care because it tastes really good. Right. And even if it's the greatest knockoff in the world, what do I care? And that's like the same exact thing here. It's like people are like, oh, Panda Express isn't real Chinese food. It's still delicious. I, know, exactly. I, don't, I don't care that it's not real. Louie loves his sugar chicken. It doesn't right help it in my stomach anymore. Like, yeah, it tastes like, great. I'm not eating it for its authenticity. <laughs> right. I'm not smoking weed for its authenticity, <laughs> right? I mean, people have that same Correct. thought. So I, I don't understand the... Uh, I don't understand what government thought was going to happen. Right. And, and part of, part of the issue here too, right. If I remember, if I read correctly in the article, um, not only the taxes, but then a lot of cities, and this is where you get to the problem with the anticipated revenue, which you think a lot of these cities didn't allow uh, as many licensed shops or the number of licensed shops that they were thinking they were going to. And that's up to the cities. I mean, cities around here went through this, not uh, recently, right? But it's all of these little factors that they thought this was going to be the case. These things didn't happen. I'm like pile on that with a little yeah. nugget here, and that BDS Analytics and ArcView Market Research anticipates by 2027 this will be a 57 billion dollar industry worldwide. But you just said what? It's like two, oh oh worldwide worldwide. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but most of it's here, and you can see it. There's a lot of there's a lot of farms and licenses being distributed here in California. And I think this is the prime place for cultivation if it's going to be legal. I, you could probably make an argument that there's probably better places to cultivate, but they're not legal there. Right. So, like, I've got I've got a statistics here, and they come from NPR of all places. Santa Barbara County is actually the biggest player in marijuana these days, they're right. issuing the most licenses. They're at 845 permits. In the state? In the state. Yeah, yeah. wow, that's pretty big. Second coming, a close second, is Humboldt County at 653. And then it kind of drops off to uh, Mendocino County, 305, Monterey County at 280, and then we just really drop off the map here. Well, it makes sense that the central coasty area of California would be... Aside from Humboldt. Yes. I mean, it's just the the weather's good for ag. <laughs> it's true. But you're talking about how many permits to grow. That's like, right. Like these parcels of land. So basically 835 in this county. 835 I, I licenses that this is, for yeah, growing. They're, yeah, they're really playing yeah. this for the worldwide industry that they hope it will be. And uh, we see it with the Democrat candidates for president that they're all, you know, putting their foot down that this is a pledge from them to make it all legal. I think actually Donald Trump has advocated for the same thing. He just, I would imagine that's true. Yeah. But that he just can't stop it at this point. Like either you're going to shut it all down federally or you're not. And that's, that's where we're at. And I think everybody's ready and waiting to do it all right now. And they're in prime position to take advantage of it. They're saying in a 2019, the legal market was 3.1 billion, and the black market was 8.7 billion. And then the projections for 2024 are the legal market being 7.2 billion and the black market being 6.4. Oh, so a, retra- a reduction in black market. What would, assuming nothing else changes, why would that be? You know, 
why would a black market not continue and thrive exactly and possibly grow i mean that just sounds like pie in the sky wishful numbers it is i mean isn't that amazing that the drug cartels mainly from mexico but mm-hmm. i'm sure there's other ones are able to cultivate distribute bribe and thug their way into the market whereas here in california it still costs more the legal way only in california Oh, totally. So are we the thugs? Well, <laughs> why why well, would why would we treat this any different than the other business we ran out? Right? I mean, we have a track record yes. of not being business friendly. Right. Why would we pivot? Why would we have yeah. treated weed any differently? In fact, I think we were looking at this as I think the state got greedy. Oh, this is the answer to our money problems. Mm-hmm. And so let's tax the hell out of it. It's funny, you know, what, what I was saying earlier about um, uh, the Dem who decided or who got struck with some smarts and said maybe we should lower taxes. Remember the commercials on TV? This is a good 10, 15 years ago. But you'd see them from Michigan and New York about like economic advantage zones where you're going to get in this county, you'll get a big tax break. Uh-huh. You know, it's like trying to... Right. We, there's none of that in California. We haven't seen, I don't think I've ever seen in my entire life a California, a commercial... It talks about if you move your business to this county, which again is admitting that lower taxes produce uh, an economic oh absolutely uh, engine that 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 just produces additional revenue. But you never see that here. They even have some people admitting it on this issue. But, I mean, we're talking about a retail excise tax of fifteen percent on weed right now, in addition in a, right. to the sales tax. That is uh, that is collected, and probably even more depending on the state or I'm sorry the county that you live in, mm-hmm. and the permits and the licensing and blah 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 blah. No kidding, the black market has an advantage here. Well, and I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't do any marijuana. I don't use any cannabis. None of us do. <laughs> so, I I just look at it from the business perspective of. It's not just the tax, like you said. You know, you named all the other stuff. Anyone who runs a business in the state knows how hard it is to run a business and all the little things you need. Your corporate tax, your LLC tax, your excess taxes, the franchise tax board, your income taxes, your insurance, your it's just your county fees, your business permits. It's just fee after fee after fee after fee every year. So when you just say, well, it's just this other tax... That's like if you look at the aggregate of how much is just put on a business. Right. And then you say, hey, you know what? If you do this the legal route, John, it's great, but you got nowhere to put your money. Right. And then you can't pay your bills. If you do it the illegal way, you're just depositing cash right. every Friday. Chase Bank will take Chase that. Chase Bank will take it, right? I, so I think that's the other part, too. We haven't even given them a place to put their money and pay their bills. I looked up the information for you, John. Proposition 64 banned licenses for over one acre of land. There you go. Until 2023. Okay. But farmers can still stack right. licenses exactly. and combine small permits for neighboring plots of land. But if I own 30 acres, 30 permits. Exactly. Right. 30 Which fees. Is interesting that that expires in 23 and they put the projections of 19 and 2024, right? There you right. Go. So they're saying, oh, it'll get better. Right. But, so long as it expires. <laughs> but they're really just yeah. handcuffing it to people who don't understand that that permit sanction expires. It's right? funny. Embedded in all this, I go back to the point, embedded in all this are more Dems that, that understand the levers and incentives here. They just either can't admit it, won't admit it, um, won't get reelected if they do. I don't know what. But now some of them are just plain ignorant. I got a quote from one of the show's friends. Mr. Ting. Oh, oh. no. Ting-a-ling. <laughs> Phil Ting. Damn out of San Francisco. Ting-a-ling. If you don't know, this guy's responsible for every super live green <laughs> guy's a disaster. <laughs> no, he, super, he wants to ban cars. He's in he's in super economic live responsible oh, for those things. Yeah, That's, exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, he's quoted as saying, California cities and counties need our support to go after the illicit cannabis market. At the same time, local governments need to do their part and help bring legal cannabis business to light so they can thrive and pay taxes that help fund public services. So he's like, hey, uh, cities, you need to get on board so we can get some more taxes. Yeah. Force. You need to figure a way to force these people into the light. What? What does force that look them like? into the light, you say? That's weird. We need to crack down on the black market, and we we need more people to pay taxes. Like, oh my goodness, their fair share. <laughs> there, uh, I think it's Phil Ting. I was actually watching a documentary on Netflix, and it, and it's kind of a it's it's along the lines of drugs and illegalities. Um, there was a uh, prescription thugs is a is a documentary on Netflix made by the guy who did Bigger, Faster, Stronger about steroids. And on this one, the, the, his rep, this guy's rep is Phil Ting. And so he goes and talks to them, and he, and he basically lets his Phil Ting know. He goes, yeah, you know, I, I, I've gotten stuff. Before. I've gotten, like, Vicodin and other pills before. And um, basically, he's doing it on Craigslist. And Phil Ting looks at really? You can, you can go to Craigslist and get free pills? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this light bulb went on. The free? Wow. Free. Cra- Craigslist, like, has this kind of stuff? Oh Whoa! And, and you're writing policy? This <laughs> is insane. Pretty sure it was filting. Well, I'll just dovetail real quickly because it's in our own backyard here, uh, Santa Barbara's, Santa Rita Hills. The wine growers are having issues with the cannabis growers because <laughs> their fungicide that they use on the vineyard crops is drifting over into weed land, and cannabis can't have any pesticides or fungicides Gotta on it. Got to be organic. It's Gotta the way be. to go, man. So... Now there's a all-out brawl on, uh, on the wine growers in the region, which is what the region really is. Not, not, not known for its cannabis yet, but oh, but it will be. But it we'll will put be. it on the map. Put it on the map. Ridiculous. Shit. Swoosh. All right. Would have mercy. Another big story coming out technically out of California, because that's where it's headquartered and based, is a Google Insider who turned over 950 pages of documents and laptops to the Department of Justice. And surprisingly, not a lot of play out there in the media. You have to dig for this. I'm actually surprised that the video from the Insider who came out uh, on Project Veritas is on YouTube. They Normally, they don't carry it, right? any yeah. of that. <laughs> but I think right now, while they're under the microscope, mm-hmm. they're acting like they're unbiased, even towards videos that are against them. But it seems pretty damning. Um, you know, they've had, I think, like a couple Senate hearings now. Um, and each time, they're probably more aloof than the previous time. Right. We're just having way too much fun with some of these guys and having having them try to answer Congress in a very serious way. And they just they just look like deers in the headlight when they when they go up to Congress going, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to get fired. Is that what my response is supposed to be? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, tell us about this article, Louie. So a former Google insider claiming the company created algorithms to hide its political bias within artificial intelligence platforms and in effect targeting particular words, phrases, and context to promote, alter, reference, or manipulate perceptions of Internet content delivered roughly 950 pages of documents to the DOJ's antitrust division. So uh, basically Google CEO Sundar Pichai told the House Judiciary Committee in December 2018 that the search engine was not biased against conservatives. Um, and I actually, sure it isn't. I actually have that clip here with uh, Ted Cruz. This is a good one. The senior leadership at Google, does it lean left or does it lean right? Senator, senior leadership, that the, the whole team consists of people from a variety of different perspectives, from outside of the United States, from Mr. American... Mr. Baccia, you're doing something rather remarkable, which is you're ma- managing to be less candid than Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> that was pretty good. I, what I like is 
Ted Cruz kind of puts his foot on these people's throat and he keeps pushing. Yeah. I thought with the Zuckerberg hearing, you had a bunch of old people who oh. did not know the questions to ask because right. they just don't understand the technology. But this issue is a little less technology and more about ideology. Like Even, everybody can get behind the idea that they're purposely right. squashing stories. Yeah, it's like in this article, right? To, to, the way I think of it, to take it one level higher, it's about algorithms, right? Um, forget the specific company, the specific tech. This is really a discussion around algorithms. And they like to talk about, the left likes to talk about algorithms when it comes to, we've talked about this on the show, when it comes to giving a loan out, that, that you know, certain ways that credit scores are looked at, et cetera, is inherently racist, they say. Right. Well, it, it has to apply the same here then, if you're going to say that for that. That's a great point. It's like this person is quoted uh, in the story, algorithms don't write themselves, at least yet. Humans have to code the computer. They're sitting in front of a screen and a human is doing it. They're going to bring in their, they can bring in, and it to some degree innately will, bring in their own biases, their backgrounds, their thoughts. That's just how it is. I remember right. going back a few months ago when Google had to change the way its hiring practice was done because it was hiring too much men. And that's because they based it off an algorithm where you were just looking at the facts. There, okay. Okay. Right. So they had to remove the algorithm and go back to an old fashioned way of making sure you have enough women by specifically selecting the women to come for interviews. So if algorithms break down according to them in all those areas, why are they all of a sudden magical and infallible in this case? Here's the interesting part. I own a digital marketing company. My whole job is predicated on getting people to rank as high as possible on Google. Boom. In that, you're inherently manipulating the algorithm to. to get to jockey for your position on that coveted first page. F2. So I find it really hard to, to reconcile the fact that I have a business where my job is to get your website to the top of Google, yeah. and it can be done. We do it all the time. Okay. But the people who write the algorithm can't manipulate the search results to do what they want. Yeah, right. You're trying to sell me on the story that they are so inherently benevolent and just angelic that they that they they just have the perfect blinders on. They're just writing ones and zeros. They have no. You have to give it some kind of criteria to. for it to do things. That, that is to. how an algorithm works. It's a bunch of logic. If this, if that, look at this, look at that, and then give it some kind of score that makes it do something. And what we're saying is it's innately going to have biases, probably, whether you implicitly did that or not. It most certainly can if you want it to, because again, humans code it. One of the biggest things I saw, somebody made an awesome video about this, um, I think it was prior to this presidential election, when Hillary Clinton was running, or maybe mm -hmm. it was during that whole 16 era, 15 era, the autocomplete on Google, you know, you start oh, typing predictive yes, search, yes. predictive search technology. Yes. You start typing in and will autocomplete. It's supposed to be based off of the most populated things that have been searched, right? Supposed to be. If you opened up Yahoo and you opened up Google and you're punching in the same terms, if you typed in Hillary Clinton, IND, you got like Hillary Clinton, India, Indiana, all this stuff. And Yahoo, you got indictment, indictment, indictment. That's what was dominating the news cycle was, is she going to be indicted or not? This was like during Benghazi and everything else. You couldn't get anything negative to auto-populate in Google's predictive search, but you got everything to populate in Bing and Yahoo because that is what people were looking up, you know? To me, those little inferences right there tell me, you can't tell me that they're popular on the other two big search engines, Bing and Yahoo, but not on Google. Right. It makes no sense. We talked about this case uh, during an episode. It was, it's no different, same, okay, probably different logistical ex execution, but docs that were released from Pinterest. Remember, they, right. they added pro-life websites to a pornography list that was not able to be stuff be able to post to Pinterest. Right. It was their blacklist. Well, those those two sorts of sites don't get mistakenly 
right. uh, combined, right. right? And there was there was there was um, tracking by the servers. They could tell that someone had proactively added them because these things work on databases. They work on algorithms, like we've said. And at the end of the day, there was a human at some point in time that programmed that from scratch. Absolutely. I have this other clip. Ted Cruz is asking about political contributions for people at Google. Caricature. The days okay, when we let, were just let, a let, Silicon let's Valley fo- Let's focus on, on some simple data. It's where data is helpful. Uh, I did an FEC analysis in 2016 of senior executives at Google, people who had the title of some form of executive, vice president, or director found at least 88 unique senior, senior officials at Google who made contributions to the Hillary Clinton campaign. 88. Do you know how many, how many senior executives at Google made contributions to the Trump campaign? Senator, it's not my business to look into that. C- care to field a guess? Zero. <laughs> there it is. That seems statistically reasonable. If, <laughs> if, if they hire people from all walks of life, all viewpoints right. around the world, seems reasonable. 88 people to Clinton, zero to Trump. Seems pretty uh, pretty mixed bag of opinions. All, all walks of life, all it viewpoints. It is a bastion of conservative idealism. All viewpoints, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, there's just so much that comes out about them that you've yet to hear anybody come out and say how inherently unbiased they are, right? No employees are going and stepping up and saying, you know what? Uh, I'm a conservative, and I feel really welcomed here. No. Like nobody. <laughs> no. No. All you hear is management and C-suite types on the defensive all the time and dodging questions. Here's, okay. So to this point, right, we could, we could then start going down the road of, of discussion. So what should be done, right? Playing a little bit of devil's advocate, help, help me understand or you guys convince me why People should just stop using them. Is there, okay, said a different way. Are we at the point, is there truly a way to avoid Google? And if enough people did that, then deny them their ad revenues, deny, you know. From, from a business standpoint, Google has dominated and done exactly what it needed to do you know? in order to get where it's at. Fair, but is it, is it, are we still in a world where it's avoidable? to the point where they can feel it if enough of us avoided them. It's, it's so bad that Googling is a term. Agreed. I mean, we don't even go search. Yeah, it's a verb. It's a term. It's whatever. You, you, you say it with your friends, right? You don't say surf the web. You say or I'm Google gonna go, that I'm going to go Bing something. Yeah, you, know? you don't yeah. Bing it. You don't Yahoo it. Right. I mean, I've, I personally use DuckDuckGo. Right. So, I used it. But that, that's become the alternative. Yeah, I was right. trying to pick up Steam. But at the I'm same- just asking, you know, playing devil's advocate, asking opinion. Can is this the th- is this a p- thing and a t- at a time where the government's going to have to step in, or is it truly avoidable? I mean, is the company avoidable, and thus you can actually harm them via marketplace forces? I think the issue is when they, with all these things, even Facebook. Yeah, I think the free market can sort it out, but I think. They have to be honest about what they are. Transparency, right? There right. has to be full transparency. If Google just came out and said, you know what? Yeah, we're biased towards the Democrats and our, it's our leadership believes in. Cool. Now people can make their choice from there. I, I, right? I totally agree. But when you say, nope, we don't, we don't assert any influence over anything. We're, the, we're that clean and we're not responsible for any meddling or any manipulation. You're just outright lying. Yeah, to that point, I think I think any pretty hardcore free marketer, myself in that category, it'd be hard to argue that more information is bad, right? The, the, the free market thrives on information, and more information allows people and individuals to make better choices in the marketplace. I was even right. thinking about it from this angle, and you'd have more insight than I do, but I feel like you get into some... SEC type stuff. If I'm an investor in Google mm, mm. and they're not completely clean about what their purpose and mm. their their mission is, right? I think they're That's... an unbiased search engine or whatever they are, or you invest in Alphabet Inc. or whatever it is. And That's... they're they're actually a pawn of the Democratic Party. <laughs> Where it gets interesting, I'm just talking off the top of my head. 
where it gets interesting is kind of in the Elon Musk territory that he got busted by the SEC, right? The guy was using his Twitter account to talk about right. potential mergers and loans from Saudi company. Not, not your reached, right? A lot of right. it was, is there a big difference between that and the SEC rightfully so getting upset and banning him from Twitter for, for mentioning all this kind of stuff? Between that and I'm going to go in front of Congress and kind of, sort of, not really answer, mislead, et cetera, right? It's a good point. I'm not sure there is much difference. I mean, if you're a shareholder, you right. own a stake of the company, a, a, a tiny stake probably Correct. to Google. That's right, though. But you own a portion of the company. And I would, I would assume as a shareholder, you're entitled to know what the mission and direction of the company is. Or at least not be misled. Right. I think the, the right. misled part is kind of what I'm trying to say. For example, I can invest in a hedge fund that has a black box investment scheme. Now, they're not allowed to, they're not required to tell me like and give me all their black box. At the same time, they can't say we're investing in Girl Scout cookies and right. selling them for a profit when they're doing something. I mean, right. like you're talking about just outright lying right when it's epstein's company or something. <laughs> let me you got probably you got problems maybe fund. at that point let me give you the uh stat of the day and comes from stat counter okay. uh, officially google has 90.46 percent of the search engine market worldwide yeah that is true i'm actually shocked they, when, I, when i talk about 10 percent, that's not yeah when i talk about the big three with clients google yahoo bing or google being yahoo yeah it, it, they are second and third, but by a giant <laughs> margin. Right. Because right. there has to be a second and third only by just ranking rules. Exactly. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're anywhere near. The other stuff, too, that I think people don't realize is the the other items Google provides. So we just talk about search, but in terms of Data Studio, Google Analytics, Google Ads, there's a whole host of other things they do that it's hard for the industry to separate. So Google analytics is a giant software suite for websites sure. or analytical suite. That's free. Right. And, and if you know what the product is, you're the product. I mean, it's totally how, it. If it's you're questioning the how they make money, guess what? Look in a mirror. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> right. So yeah. Uh, and in exchange for getting a super robust analytics suite for your website, they're harvesting all that info from your website with tracking codes. But it leads people to make a lot of money. I, Another classic example. Wow, this map thing is cool. I can tell where traffic is. Right. I can. It, they'll they'll reroute me. How is this free? Well, okay. well you're, you're contributing. <laughs> well, right. Well, then, with ninety percent market share, at what point do we consider it a monopoly? I mean, that that's kind of at the heart, right, of my that's yeah. question of asking: Is it avoidable? Right. Can you live your life? Can you circumvent Google? And if enough people did that, make them feel it. And and I think it's that last part there, right, that goes back to Louis's point. You probably would have enough people that would. You'd have a shot at having enough people that would if the information, if the true information were out. Because I'm making a guess that if if Americans truly knew what was going on behind the curtain, there'd be a critical mass of people that would want to avoid it. I think you have a group of people that don't care. Absolutely. Yes. Always. And, and you have a group of people that they like this. Yeah. Right? How many yeah, uh, Californians, for oh, instance, a totally. total blue state, would be opposed to this? Well, or do, do they say, cool, rock on? Just think about the nation well, and, and voting patterns. At least 40%. Exactly. At least 40% are well, well, we, we got into the crux of it. Of you get free stuff because your Gmail is free. And it unlocks the door to many of the different services that Google provides. They want you to use all right. this stuff. But and to Louis's point, sweet, Gmail's free, Google Maps are free, and you're going to help Hillary win? I'm in. <laughs> that's, like 40, exactly. that's like 40% of the nation, Absolutely. at least. Scary times. Scary, scariness. Crossfire. Is it that time? Yeah. It is be kind of a quick one, I think. Okay, okay. I mean, technically, they're all kind of the same amount of time, really. I have so right, we're many over here. pieces of paper Go ahead, here. lay it down, Louie. Okay, so in Crossfire, or I should say Crosstalk, 
Oh, who's the winner? I've won it. Bobby Mr. won. Mr. Bobby. Okay, so in this segment, uh, I pick a topic on anything, really. And whoever wins the little Rochambeau game has, done. gets to pick what side they want to defend. And the other one's got to defend the other side. And we get some funny stuff out of it because they have to defend it regardless. So, in this one, we're going to sports. Oh, boy. So in July, robot umpires made their way into pro baseball. And by all accounts, they seem to be primed uh, to make losers like Angel Hernandez, who's a household name umpire amongst baseball people for his mm-hmm. awful mm-hmm. calls. Um, maybe they'll make him less horrible at his job. So it involves basically an earpiece in the umpire's ear, and the computer will instantly tell him if it was a striker ball, and he'll call it. The ump still gets to override, but... Computer is going to be calling balls and strikes. Um, are robo umpires a good thing, Bobby? Interesting. I'm going to take the con on this one. I'm going to say no, they're not. Because the human element of this whole thing of baseball really takes us back to America's pastime. We love it when they make a mistake in our error, but we're in the opposite spectrum when they don't. I mean, I grew up in a time when that that coach, that manager, would get up to that get up to that umpire, get right in his face, kick sand and kick dirt right in his shoes, and really let him have it. That was the best part of baseball. I mean, if you love fighting and hockey, then you love getting in the grill of the umpire in baseball. That was the best part. Now that's gonna go away. Come on. We need that part. Come on. <laughs> we need that part back in, in baseball. I actually, I think it's a good idea. And I'm, I'm serious, not just because I have to take the opposite side. I think there is, especially when you're talking at the plate and you're talking about really measurable things, I think there's just a good efficiency. It's kind of like um, you're trying to make the argument if the technology existed when baseball was invented, it'd be hard to convince me that they wouldn't have taken advantage of it, right? I can appreciate the nostalgic element to it. I could even appreciate if you, for a season, allowed people who bought a ticket and went into the stadium to vote on it, right? So actual baseball fans who... But at the end of the day, if they did it, I would be in support of it. Because you already have... the, The technology is shown and proven in terms of all of the stats that they track that everyone has access to with pitches and pitch right. types, et cetera. And I just think it could make, it could at least increase play speed and efficiency at the plate. So, yeah, that's... Um, They're looking at the first bit of data out of this thing, yeah. and it's about as accurate as a human. Interesting. So I'm glad uh, you withheld uh, that. That was no, no. I'm, uh, that was good. It's a good stat to have after we. Debate. Either the technology needs to be honed in a little bit, which I'm sure it does. It's brand new. Yeah. Or the umpires are that good. Right. And I don't think the umpires are that good. Um, it's it's got to be Gen. It's Gen One, right? So inevitably, it'll or, get. I wonder if it's like, um, kind of like Jordan Peterson talks about the difference in genders. Okay. How the difference isn't in the middle, yeah. it's in the tails yeah. where yeah. it really yeah. matters because yeah. that's where it gets exponentially wider. It's a great point. So they might be right on most of the time. It's a great point. But what about the extreme ones where they're totally off or those super off ones? And that's where it's going to get really interesting from a fan perspective because no one cares about the strike that might have been right or wrong in the bottom of the second in game one of the World Series. They really care about right. the strike in the bottom of the ninth in game seven. Exactly. Right, and so you're talking about tail deal. circumstance, so you, that's where it's going to matter. Yeah, maybe. I mean, what? How boring? I mean, like, it, but is it how but, boring? But, but it's it's not. I don't. I don't think it is. Just about fights. That's I, the thing. What, 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 what do you want? Even the, you could even have an up there, and he gets a little thing on his app that says strike, and he still gets to do the. No, he still does that. The hand yeah. motion. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, yeah. He still calls it. It's I not, mean, eventually. I mean, I used to love it when we'd have a, an know, umpire Bobby, who would just going go back to your little little dreamer would really, days. Really get in there, <laughs> strike. You hear it from like the bleachers. He's bleachers. still making the call. He's still behind it's gonna the plate. Stop. It's going to stop because it's going to be pointless. <laughs> it's like, going to be pointless. The movie, oh, the, uh, the, the movie, the Naked Gun, will take a hit for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I used to uh, 
I used to work at Disneyland. I used to be the tram operator. Oh, you've told I me this. I used to talk yeah. as the conductor as well. And what Disneyland did is they put in GPS uh, uh, machine, and as you pass through the park, yeah, it would give you a a little story about what you're going oh, past. Oh, okay. It was really yeah, cute. Yeah. And I was there when they implemented it, and it got really boring. Oh, I bet. It got really boring as they kept playing the same thing. You could stop it. I was going to say, could you turn it off? I, I turned it off yeah. every so often because it was dumb. I did have to hear it like 30 times a day. <laughs> and I kind of feel that that's how the umpires are going to be. They're going to he- they're gonna just be standing there. They're going to lose interest in the game. And I'm like, oh, is it for- time for me to do my little bit? Of- well, their call overrides the computer. Interesting. So they will be watching to see if the computer's super off. For now, it overrides. For now. For now. Good. Let machines take over. <laughs> Idiots like Angel Hernandez's job. As long as the uh, company who's making all this isn't called Skynet, then we're good. Right. Exactly. All right. Here's one. This is always my favorite topic. This comes from the OC Register. Are California's schools really starving for revenue? Always. Always. How, how dare you bring that up, Louie? Whenever you see politicians and special interests throwing statistics around like the cafeteria, food, and animal house, it's better than even bet that they're distorting <laughs> their respective claims about how we fund schools in California. Uh, so here's some basics about financing that every taxpayer should know. First, it's complicated, very complicated. Mm-hmm. Schools get their funding from a bunch of different sources. Mm-hmm. K through 14 schools get funding from a variety of federal, state, and local sources. K-14 through includes community colleges, but not the University of California or the CSU system. Second, it should be no surprise that California spends more on education than any other state given our population. But we also spend significantly more per student when all sources of revenue are considered. But now that charter schools are gone, it's going to fix everything. Right. There, there was one stat in here, but you may be getting to it. I'll, I'll wait. The one stat in there was crazy to me. So third... The biggest slice out of California, out of the state general fund pie, goes to education. Uh, it's due in large part to Prop 98, which was a constitutional initiative that was barely approved, 50.7, by voters in 88. It requires a minimum percentage of the state budget to be spent on K-14 through education and has a complex series of, quote, tests to determine annual increases in spending. Generally speaking, it requires that at least 40% of the state budget go to K-14 through education. The 40% guarantee is ironclad, even though enrollment in K-14 through has fallen significantly in recent years. So, same percentage of funding, even when there's less kids to spend money on. You know, you, you gave us all those facts, and... We don't need facts. We don't need those facts. I was uh, reading up on uh, AB 711 which was given to us by Democratic Assembly member David Chu of San Francisco. And this one is to have California lawmakers uh, require school districts to update their records to reflect the chosen names and genders of graduates. Yeah, I almost picked that story, but I decided to go with money flow Mm. better. But yeah. And what a waste of time and resources. And we were wondering, that's that's not going to cost much money. That's what they said. (sighs) Mm Mm-hmm. Wasting time and resources is what Sacramento does best. Right. So the one stat to me, and I have read this a couple times, and I want to read this real slow so people, so this sinks in. Because this, this is the critical, to me, the critical number. We are now spending 30% more on a, on a per-student inflation-adjusted basis than we were in the mid-70s when... Apparently, a lot of people would consider, because California schools used to be considered a pretty stellar education system, 30% more on a per-student inflation-adjusted basis than we were in the mid-70s. It's not a money problem. We are spending more dollars, inflation-adjusted, per kid in the seat. So it's not money. Got to be something else. It's funny with Prop ninety eight, the uh, the first line from the proposition's uh, explanation box is that Proposition ninety eight is well thought out plan for California school to once again be among the very best in the nation. Mm. 
Now what we're being told is what this was touted to be the fix to our education problem in 88. Now what the proponents of it are saying is that, well, it's become a ceiling for funding. So it's actually <laughs> handicapping us. And then people always ask about, well, what about the lottery? I've asked that before too. Totally. The lottery is supposed to go fund schools totally. and it has, um, to an extent, Prop 37 and 84. So, but the first sentence of the ballot argument to support the lottery quoted, provide hundreds of millions of additional dollars for public education. And that's turned out to be true, but the reality is that it provides about like 1% of the total revenue for schools. So uh, it doesn't fund that much, but it does give a lot of money, but it's still just 1%. Right. And you know what, Louis? It's because the charter schools are taking all that money away. (laughs) The charter schools. It's true. (laughs) It's not a money problem. I mean, obviously, it's the classic, most convenient thing for the CTA, the California Teachers Association, to go to and use. Math is math, people. It's not a money issue. Well, I laugh at the people that say Prop 98 um, created a ceiling, (laughs) even though we were told it was the big fix, um, because it guarantees 40% out of our $140 billion general fund to them. That's not enough, though. Jeez. That... (laughs) The amount of money that is, it's barely fathomable. What they almost what they half t- the general fund. What they tend to have a problem with is that they go, "Well, you're supposed to provide this as a right." They go, "Well, doesn't mean it has to be any good." You know, well, that's what's going to be healthcare. It's going to be a right, and you're going to have to wait 20 years before you can get a penicillin shot. So, doesn't have to be any good. Right. Screw that. Well, and people say too that Prop 13's to blame. Always. For oh, a lot of it. We're gonna uh in the next I think in the next episode, we've got some stuff queued up about. But California ranks seventeenth out of the fifty states in per capita property tax collections. I'm telling you. And that doesn't include the billions from all the other things like uh Melarus taxes and local taxes and it's not a money issue. No. It's a whole lot of other things, but it's not a money problem. I mean, we're over here spending money, spending money on redrafting the California Ethnic Studies Plan. Critical. Critical. It's critical because we passed a law. We passed AB, what is it? To the, uh, AB whatever. Yeah, AB <laughs> 2016. That's what okay. it is. And unfortunately, that was supposed to include everybody. This is our favorite one. This is the one where it includes all aspects in our history and teaching in grade seven through twelve, you know, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, does it come with Gavin Newsom? It comes textbook? with Gavin Newsom's textbook. This is the reason why we have Gavin Newsom's textbooks. Sign me up. And unfortunately, it's a little window where it says we need to include everybody. So everybody is chime in on this, and they want a piece of putting their little ethnic group or religious group or whatever group hop on hop on the train and so they're spending a lot of time and money on this particular stupid idea what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard that's true it is we're wasting we're wasting time money resources on dumb things that politicians want to be popular not in this state it never happens. Well, that's all I got. I got one one addition from the first story. Yeah. I had to look it up. It was actually, it wasn't uh, Phil Ting. It was Ted Liu, another guy we talk about on the show, a congressman from the Bay Area, just uh, just as large of a mental giant as uh, Phil Ting. But yeah, the, he's the guy in the movie Prescription Thugs gotcha. that he goes to for the Craigslist thing. Con- congressman Ted uh, Liu. Another big idiot. Oh, no, uh, totally. Without question. Perfect. Get your dose of big idiots. <laughs> it's, it's interesting in the state how many big idiots, but all the rest of them just kind of do whatever. They just kind of go with the flow. I'm a solid vote. Whatever oh, you totally. say. In this state, if you're blue, you're a solid vote. And it all comes from San Francisco mainly. Weird how that happens. Very true. Episode 57 down. In the books. Thanks for joining us. You can catch us on our website, CaliStreaming.com, C-A-L-I streaming.com. 
show notes, all of our references and sites. You can download us on Apple iTunes and the Google Play Store. Tell a friend. That's how we get popular. If you have a conservative friend or two, I don't know, or a family member, turn them on. We are the number one ranking conservative California podcast. I'm I'm pretty confident in saying that. Drop us a line. We'll read your uh, your emails on the year. Yeah, drop us a line. Give us your notes. If you want us to cover something, let us know. And uh, Bobby's going to give you a special message to carry out in the next week while he's busy getting all of his transcripts changed to his proper gender pronoun. <laughs> Burn it all down. 